Diamond K Talk YA now presents The Raven Boys, Part 2, from The Raven Cycle, by Maggie Stiebotter. everyone to another episode of MNK Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week we finished the first book of The Raven Boys, or The Raven Cycle, called The Raven Boys, mm-hmm. um, by Maggie Stiefvater. I said her name right. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> She's going to be so proud of us when she doesn't <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> Maybe she will, who knows. Who knows. Um, yeah, we finished the first book, The Raven Boys, and... <laughs> there were some big surprises. A lot of stuff was happening all over the place. And I was just telling Marissa, I'm like really creeped out to walk through my house again. And I don't even know what's <laughs> going on with me. <laughs> I'm sorry you're so freaked out by it. I'm afraid I'm going to disappear into a mirror or my best friend's going to turn out to be a ghost or the woods are going to start talking to me. You're going to get stung by bees. I don't know. <laughs> Or someone's going to sacrifice you as part of a satanic ritual. Okay, no. I mean, yes, but (laughs) I actually really loved when Neve... Okay, maybe we should wait to talk about it, but... Okay. (laughs) Neve tried to sacrifice Welk and didn't tie him up very well, and he, like, turned the table on her and tied her up, and he was planning to sacrifice her. Everyone's sacrificing everyone. But she had a really good explanation for why it wouldn't work if he sacrificed her, and I was like, I should file that away in case I'm ever captured and offered up as a sacrifice, I can maybe talk my way out of it. But only if they haven't murdered before. Well, I wouldn't have to tell them that part. I just have to say it has to be a personal sacrifice. Or, like, I just have to, I just, like, realize that you just can sell it if they don't really know what they're doing. I guess that's true. I liked that, too, when she was like, it's not the person you're sacrificing, it's me sacrificing my innocence by killing you. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't have worked for Welk because he had already killed someone. Oh my god. Noah. Yeah, his his best friend, I thought his best friend accidentally died when they were doing the ritual. But no, he intentionally murdered his best friend, who then lived as a ghost and became friends with the Raven Boys. Yeah, that shocked me. Turns out there's a reason Noah wasn't really an interesting person, because he wasn't a person. He was actually dead when he and it was so good because when they finally figure it out, he was like, "Guys, I've been telling you this," and it's so true. The first time he introduces himself to Blue, he says, "Hi, I've been dead for a long time," and I thought he was joking, but he wasn't. Yeah, it was interesting, but it was also kind of weird to me because his friends are like involved in each other's lives a lot, and then they were like, "Wait, we realize we've never seen him touch anyone, like go to class or." blah 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 and he apparently was telling them the truth this whole time and I'm I I still go back to like hey Gainsey you know about Adam's home life you know about Ronan's school life Mm -hmm. you live next door to Noah and you never even realized that he was not a human being and all we knew about him was that he was so he was very shy Mm -hmm. but like you're right it kind of doesn't add up with how they interact with the other boys yeah I was just like how did he get away with it Oh, and, and you know what struck me too was last week you mentioned that they describe him as smudgy. Uh huh. And then you find out it's because that's where his skull was crashed in. I know. Ugh. Ugh. 
But it was also interesting because I, so he like didn't remember everything or he just didn't want to talk about it. I think he just didn't want to talk about it because, or, or maybe he didn't remember it because, because I feel like he should have warned them earlier if he really remembered. But I, yeah, maybe he didn't because that's when like when they finally go to Cabe's Water and they see that abandoned Mustang and Noah sees it and starts throwing up. Yeah. And that's like what's tipped me off a little bit because when he started throwing up I was like that's such a weird reaction well and he told blue later after we found out but he said something like I think I used to be more than I was and she was like yeah you were and he goes no even before you knew me or whatever or like I mean he was kind of referencing I feel like I'm sort of curious about him still and how yeah he exists but I guess so is he back now now that they've buried him on the ley line at the end, is he like a character again? I don't know. That was a whole thing because like they moved his body off the ley line and he started getting fainter and fainter and like was fading away and only Blue could see him. And then they buried him and had a funeral and then they dug him up and reburied him on the ley line. As you do for a friend who was murdered <sighs> and you never knew as a human. Yeah, for real. And then so now I think he's like corporeal again and he can interact with them again. Now that he's back on the ley line. I just, I can't, I don't think I'd be as accepting about all of this stuff as everyone in this book has been. And I get that they all are coming, you know, they've all had their own kind of spiritual interaction, whether it's growing up in their family for Blue or almost dying for Gainsey or whatever. But I'm sort of like, if I were in these people's shoes, I'd be like freaking out way more than anyone else's. I know. I totally agree. But then it's like, at the same time, don't we always say that we love to believe that magic is real because, like, we we want it to be true so badly? And so I think for them, it's like, all of them really want magic to be real. And so it finally is becoming real. And instead of freaking them out, they're just, like, super excited about it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine if tomorrow I found out that you were just a spirit that I talked to over the phone and didn't have a real body or something. Like, I don't think I'd just be like, oh, that explains why I never saw you go to class. I don't know. They did kind of have a hard time adjusting to that, I guess. We just didn't, like, dig into it a ton, but... So this isn't a good time to tell you that I'm actually a witch. (laughs) No, don't freak me out. Wait, a witch I think I'd be more accepting of than dead, because a witch would just be like, I didn't know about part of your life, maybe, but, like, dead would be like, I didn't realize you... I don't know. That that just seems. I don't know. That would yeah. That would freak me out too. Because then it's like, who have I been talking to this whole time, and how have other people seen me interact with them and like heard me talk about them, but but they don't know that she's dead. I don't know. Yeah, and I'd kind of feel like really selfish and unobservant if I like. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not just like for not like not knowing someone got a haircut. Yeah. Like, well, that that's what was like so weird to me when um, Gainsey was reflecting back on it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I didn't notice any of this stuff." And I'm like, "Gainsey, you consider yourself such a good friend, and you like try and do mm-hmm. like I just didn't." That was like the biggest disconnect for me was how Noah lived with them, and Gainsey really had no idea. Especially since you know how Gainsey is, I feel like he's someone who would, if someone was pulling away, he would push forward. You yeah. know, he yeah. would be like trying to tease out the truth even like the more shy and awkward you are the more he'd try to figure you out yeah yeah I agree but I guess I had enough troubles going on in that group because Ronan was about to be kicked out of school and Adam's abusive father ruined his hearing and oh my god Gainsey was 
threatened with a gun once or twice. And right. I mean, in the last <laughs> week, that makes sense. It doesn't add up for like... No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack. So... Okay, so this half started with a romantic helicopter ride, and everything was still, like, kind of fun and not that creepy. And then, yeah, where should we go from there? Well, let's talk about the first time they stepped into Cade's Water, because that was kind of cool. Okay. So is Cade's Water the name of that area, name of the forest? I was kind of I think so. Okay. Or is it the cave itself? I don't know. I don't know either. I think it's just the area. I think it's, like, the forest, because they don't always go to the cave. Yeah. But I also couldn't tell if it was like a spirit trapped in the forest or something, or like, you know, something, if it was truly the forest or if it was like, I don't know. I think it's just a magical place because it's like the pond has fish that change colors and like the trees change seasons. So I think it's just the whole place is full of like spiritual energy maybe. Yeah. And it's suggestive of your intention. Oh, yeah. Or like what happens has something to do with your intention, which is also when they did the ritual at the other ley line over in England the oh right friend joke Mallory yeah his friend joked about something about being out of his skin and then literally all of his skin came off but luckily he lives stepped out of his skin yeah (sighs) so basically it's like I I don't understand why they keep doing these rituals when clearly they're not ending well yeah I feel like you should do a lot more research than just like I'm gonna randomly try out a ritual that and see how it goes yeah but okay so the first first step into the cave and they have all these visions everyone has a different vision yep and adam sees something that causes his sh- him shame and then we realize that he saw gainsey dead and he was like oh my god i'd never do that and then blue has a vision of her and gainsey together and they're crying because he knows if he kisses her he'll die but mm-hmm. in her vision they're in love and was that the only two visions we had uh Gainsey's vision I don't think we found out what that was but I thought okay. it had something to do with blue also well and then okay. they went back into the tree at the end yeah but yeah yeah I you captured most of it I think okay and then Ronan sees his hand his handwriting there oh yeah I totally forgot about that and that's when they realized they can yeah, which is cool because it's like time works differently. So somehow he had been there before and didn't realize it and wrote them this message that basically was saying like, hey, the trees can speak Latin. <laughs> yeah, with a joke so that he'd know it was really him. <laughs> yeah. So they, so Ronan then starts speaking to the trees in Latin and the trees say, if you wake the line, they'll be in your debt. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, but the only people who can hear the trees are Noah and Gainsey. Which might have something to do with because they're the only two people who've died or almost died. Because Noah's actually oh, dead and Gainsey, we know, should have died when he was stung by the bee. I or, thought, or why else are they? The, I thought it was Ronan. No, they, Gainsey and Noah were like repeating the Latin and then Ronan was translating for them. Oof. And Blue and Adam were just like holding hands. Maybe. Maybe that's why they can only hear it because... When Gainsey almost died because of the bees or whatever, he had that vision where someone was like, you are not meant to die now, but and there's someone on the ley line who is dying now who also shouldn't be dying, and so you're going to live because he died. No, so they're- the person said you are meant to die now. Is that wrong? But you're going to be saved because someone who's not meant to die is dying. Oh, right, right, right. So basically, which is also a weird thing to be like, I lived because my ghost friend, friend died. died. Yeah. yeah. But they, but the voice also says you will live because, because of Glendor. Yeah. So that's where his obsession started and why he feels like 
because remember how we were saying he kind of it seemed like there was some near-death experience that like made him feel Mm -hmm. like he like owed it to figure this out but now we understand why it's tied specifically to finding him yeah because he thinks he saved his life well he did save his life he did save his life yeah i just feel like i would feel so guilty even if he didn't know noah when he died knowing that you're alive because your friend is dead i and especially gainsy like i feel like that is going to be hard for him to live with. Well, I think he actually felt guilty even before he knew it was Noah. I think that's why he felt like he had to do something worthwhile so much. Oh, that's a good point. But, yeah, extra guilty when it's your friend. Faux show. And, um... I feel like there's something else weird, though, that I want to talk about with the Latin. Oh, they also were talking about how they're not sure... I forget who it was who was saying this, but, like, how can they trust the trees? Like, just because the trees are telling Mm -hmm. them stuff? Like, someone said, if I were a tree, I wouldn't want to help humans basically so Ooh, i wonder if the trees are going to start lying to them yeah i'm not sure that they're necessarily a good guy good point i don't know there's a lot of stuff going on okay and we also found out on the blue side of things or i guess i'm mm-hmm. jumping around again but no that's fine blue found out that her father oh yeah she found out more about her father butternut <laughs> butternut <laughs> as he's called <laughs> So her mom told her something like she was basically dabbling in more ritual-type magic back in the day, <laughs> and they did some kind of ritual, and then her father, like, kind of appeared. Yeah, because she thinks he was trapped in caves water, and she, like, summoned him. Mm-hmm. And then he disappeared again when she was born. So it was, like, she thinks the end of the rit- like, completing the ritual by her being born. But so does that mean that he went back? And that trapped him back in caves water. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know it's Cade's water? Or we just know that, or we just think that he's she trapped. I think we. I think she thinks that he has something to do with Cade's water, and she suspects he's trapped there. Okay, I could. I couldn't remember if she knew about Cade's water before all this stuff. I think so, because yeah, I think so. Okay, and his name, his real name was Artemis. Okay, and her sister came back because she wanted to see all about this creepy magic, and she's still dabbling in some strong stuff. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting that. We learned that Welk actually reached out to Neve before and was like, take me to the ley line. And she denied him, or refused to. And then she like changed her mind and called him up and was like, yeah, I'll take you to the ley line. And then <laughs> attacks him. She like tasers him and intends to use him as the sacrifice. Yep. And which backfires very badly. <laughs> yep. Because he puts her in the pentagram instead. <laughs> Oof. And then she disappears also because they moved the mirrors back at home. So like, right. all the friends, all the psychic friends at the house were like, we'll take care of Neve. You go help your friend to Blue. <laughs> not, I think not knowing at the time that they were all together and the murderer wannabe they're all avoiding was with them. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, i guessing, saw something that Neve had set up in her room with those two big mirrors and moved one around to try and disrupt her spell and she disappeared in the process right so uh, <laughs> who knows where she went maybe she went where artemis went i actually looked up some stuff about mirrors oh scrying mirrors yeah we can no. we can say <laughs> that i okay okay i started i don't know why i even opened this article it was called 12 <laughs> creepy mirror games to play when you just want to freak yourself out and you're already freaked out, so... Well, yeah. Well, today I wasn't freaked <laughs> out. And for some reason, I was like, this seems like a good idea. And then I got freaked out again, which is why I almost oh, couldn't no. my book. So I only read one of them, and I'm not even going to repeat it. But it's like silly stuff, kind of like that um, Bloody Mary stuff people would say to do as a kid and whatnot. But I read mm-hmm. about this scientific study 
where they had people like stare into a mirror and just like gaze at their own reflection in a mirror and after less than a minute the observer begins to perceive a strange face illusion is what they call it so Mm -hmm. this original study they had 50 people and at the end of the a 10 minute session of mirror gazing they were asked to write (laughs) what they had seen in the mirror and 66 percent of the participants said they saw a huge deformation or deformed versions of their own face 18 percent said they saw a parent's face with different traits eight percent of those were still their parents were still alive and 10 percent were of a deceased parent 28 percent of people said they saw an unknown person 28 percent of people said they saw just like an archetypal face so like an old woman or a child or something like that. Uh, 18% saw an animal face of some kind, and 48% saw a fantastical and monstrous beast. So obviously those don't add up to 100, so I'm guessing some of these people saw multiple things over the course of the session because they were looking at it for 10 minutes, and this illusion or this um, effect, I guess, happens like pretty quickly. Yeah. So there's a few reasons why we might see things weird in the mirror if we look too long at our own face. Or even just like if you stare at any object for long enough, doesn't it kind of morph? Well, that's part of it, yeah. So the visual system adapts after you receive the same information over time. So that's why you'll usually see visual changes if you're staring at anything for a while. Hmm. Um, But we also have like a really strong ability to interpret faces. So that's why like a lot of times we'll see faces and other you know like even Mm. if you draw two lines or a line and two dots you know you're like oh it's a smiley face or if you look at clouds or trees or sand or you know just we like like to recognize faces in different ways Mm. really easily so the illusion might be caused by low level fluctuations in the stability of edges shading and outlines affecting the perceived definition of the face which gets over interpreted as someone else by the face recognition system oh okay But they also talked about people's different emotional reactions to seeing these different faces. So a lot of people felt like a sense of otherness. So when the new face appeared to be someone other than themselves, obviously, all 50 participants experienced some form of dissociative identity effect. And a lot of them had strong emotional responses, but they could be different. So... Some people thought that the other person was watching them with, like, a malign expression and they would become anxious. Other people thought mm. that the other person was smiling or cheerful and they were had a positive reaction. Some, like the ones that saw more monstrous beings, felt more fear or disturbance. Like, a lot of people felt, in general, just, like, uh, unease, or if you will, or whatever. So I just thought this is kind of interesting to, like, read about that. So did you try it? No, I was way too scared. I went upstairs and I avoided the mirror. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This other, so this thing I was reading (laughs) was called the Three King Experiment. And you have to have two mirrors and one chair. And you're supposed to wake up at like 3.30 in the morning and bring a candle and a fan (laughs) and like all this stuff. Okay, I'm not doing that. And it didn't even sound like a creepy reaction, but the instructions had all this stuff like safety precautions, like have someone call you at 4.15 and if they can't, like wake you don't let them touch you like and if the fan's off then do that like it just it was just no okay but so then I looked into mirrors in general and some different superstitions we have around okay but real quick so can I just stare at him in a mirror for 10 minutes and see what happens is that I mean if you want to I definitely want to 
I think you're just I think you can even stare for like two minutes just stare at your face does it have to be dark it should be oh it said for this experiment they were I'm gonna try this see. you should be lit from behind I think okay. your own reflection in a dimly lit room I'm just gonna light a candle how about that a 25 watt bulb placed behind the center while you stare in a large mirror with about 40 centimeters from your face that's what you need to do that's very specific well, if you want to do the same exper- the exact same experiment. Okay, I'll try to do that, replicate it that as much as I can, and I will let you know what happens next week. Okay, but don't tell me if you see me dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Okay, I won't tell you that. I'll make something up if that's the case. Oh, no, just tell me. Okay, now you have to tell me even if you see me dead, because otherwise I'm not going to believe <laughs> it. I'm very excited to okay. do this. Maybe I'll do that, like, in the daytime when I'm not freaked out by everything well I told you have I told you about one of the books that changed my life no was it's called Stranger with My Face it's by oh yeah Lois Duncan (laughs) and at one point this girl looks in the mirror and her reflection smiles at her and she realizes as she goes to sleep that she didn't smile when she was looking in the mirror and that's like an indicator of all this other bad creepy stuff that's going on and I so I already have that fear so I'm not going to stare at my face in case it stops looking like me because I'm going to definitely think my evil twin is trying to take over my life (sighs) it's funny how like some people get really excited about things like that like me (laughs) and other people are like hell no I think if it were day it's like I am very when it gets dark I get way more creeped out yeah I mean me too even though I know like it's the same thing and like like you know I I will say I have a very good skill of like, if I see something scary or, like, watch a horror movie or something, which I do quite often, I forget about it, like, <laughs> within a half hour. What? No, I, like, think about it for 15 years later, like, this yeah. book that I read when I was five. <laughs> well, I think that's the other thing about this book that is freaking me out more than normal because it's still set in our mm-hmm. world. I think, like, these books that we read that are set either, like, in the future or on a different planet... To be fair, a lot of them haven't been that creepy anyways, but that's a lot easier for me to read and not be creeped yeah. out than things that are set in our that's world. totally fair. Even though it's still like, I don't live in Virginia and I don't have this kind of life. It's, it's much more similar, familiar to our lives. It's not happening to everybody. Did you think about our question from last week, which was what wish we would wish for if we woke up King Glendor? Well, now I want to wish something like to never see anything but my own face in a mirror or like something to make me not afraid of the dark or that's a good one to not be afraid to not be afraid anymore (laughs) of whatever it is you're afraid of (laughs) to have no fear oh would you want to live without fear no I don't think I want to live without fear I want to have nothing that I'm afraid of ever like to know like I feel like being Having fear is a, is a good reaction in some situations. I just want to never be in the situations where I need to be fearful. That's a good, yeah, that's a really good wish, actually. <laughs> I've decided that my wish would be to be able to have a weather bubble that just surrounds me and maybe a few friends. Oh, that's kind of cool. Because it's starting to get really cold in Chicago, and I was just like, you know how you're just dreading having to take out that 500 pound winter coat and carry it around like a second skin <laughs> for the next six months uh mm-hmm. i mean i kind of remember those days i was really <laughs> dreading that and so i was like yeah that would be my wish is just to have a weather bubble around me at all times 
Well, I mean, for real, my wish would still probably be the ability to teleport with no, like, negative effect. Oh, that's a really good one, too. And just, like, hop and visit people or warm up, you know, go to the beach and then... Or even just, like... Not have to go outside in Chicago. (laughs) Not have to take the train back from the airport, like... Something little yeah. like that would really make my day. Even going to work, like just not commuting to work, mm-hmm. just being like, okay, it's time to be in the office. Zoom. <sighs> yeah, I guess I have a lot of wishes. I, can we ask this question every Pretty week? Because I, I want to keep, I, I think it's Yeah, fun. we can be like, what's your wish of the week? <laughs> At least for the next six weeks or whatever that we're reading. Uh, that's true. We can make it like something like tied to our week. Yeah. Unless they wake up, <laughs> unless it stops being relevant to the story. But they're still searching right now. That's true. Speaking of searches, did you find any real-life quests that we can go on? <sighs> no, I didn't do good enough research because I went down this mirror rabbit hole. <laughs> so I still want to look into it a little bit more. I read some about the hero's journey and mm. why, what defines a quest. So, oh, here's a fun fact. Mm-hmm. This weekend, I went to a vortex. What's that? It is a, let me look up the actual definition actually real quick. Um, Sounds like a really cool club. Yeah. So it's a spiraling energy center. Oh. So Where did you find this in Phoenix? <laughs> so I actually found it in Sedona. Sedona is known okay. for its vortexes, which are like supposed to be good for intuitive stuff and psychics too. So I was trying to convince my friends to go to a psychic with me because I was too freaked out to go by myself. But we didn't go this weekend, <laughs> but I'll go eventually. Okay. You should. Yeah. But I really thought it'd be cool to go here because like it's supposed to be an area with like really strong spiritual energy and Mm -hmm. we specifically we went on a hike through the airport mesa vortex which is an upflow or masculine vortex so there's two different kinds of vortexes and the masculine or upflow vortex is supposed to be like an energizing place Hmm. whereas the feminine or downflow vortexes are more like meditative and calming so if you like so you go to different ones for different reasons. Um, so I don't know if I necessarily felt that. I mean, I was walking up beautiful hiking trail, and I was pretty with two of my friends from that I never see. So I was, like, pretty excited. But I don't know if how mm-hmm. much was the vortex versus just the situation. Were you on the excited vortex? Like the energizing vortex? Yeah, I was on a, ma- I was on a masculine oh, vortex okay. trail. That's interesting. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. And so I was trying to look up – some people think vortexes are related to ley lines and th- – that they might be the origins point of a ley line. But I didn't really get a good map of Sedona ley lines and vortexes to really answer that. But I kind of, I was kind of intrigued because there's all this, there's tons of stuff about spiritual energy, intuitive, psychic, like Sedona's like known for this. And I've heard that before that it's like a place for vortexes. I just didn't really ever know what Mm -hmm. that means. So I did a little more research this week. Ooh, I'm trying to see if there are any natural vortexes in Chicago. Yeah, I guess I don't know, like, why... There's a map of them. In Chicago, too? Mm-hmm. So are they, like, all over the place? I guess I didn't do enough research about that. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff of, about the polar vortexes coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to do? I want to actually travel... Oh my gosh. I typed in, literally just typed in the letter L and the first thing that came up was ley lines in Chicago because this is how much I've been (laughs) searching for them this week. I'm going to try and travel along a Chicago ley line because there are some and actually there's one kind of nearby me. Okay. 
So well, I already went to a vortex, so I, that's all I'm going to do. And maybe I'll see a psychic. And you're going to get your cards read. Yeah, I might do that. <laughs> you're like, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> There's one. As long as that's not at nighttime and I haven't read the book earlier that day, it's probably fine. I think oh. like every time I was like, oh, okay, like I'm on board with this book. And then I'd read a chapter and be like, oh, their friend is already dead. And then it would freak me out again. <laughs> um, do you want to hear something crazy? Yes. So I think McMaster's of Ley. I'm just looking at maps of ley lines in Chicago, and there's one right along the blue line. It looks like. Oh my goodness! So you take Which, it like uh, every day to and from work <laughs> and wherever else you go. So I've basically just been traveling along a ley line for the last six years. That's hilarious. That means I used to travel. I've traveled a ley line. Psh, who hasn't? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna look up some more though and see if I can like do a little quest and see what I feel okay that sounds crazy but I'm, I'm gonna look into it well basically no but a quest is really just a journey towards a goal it's often used in mythology or literature and you have to overcome many obstacles and I don't know I mean it's just so I think basically that can be a quest I think it's something mm-hmm. that's meaningful to you and all this stuff I was interviewing my friends about it in the car they thought I was weird but (laughs) we there was some debate over whether it had to be noble or if you could get paid to go on someone like a quest oh that is interesting like if if you were motivated by money if it would if it was still considered a quest or not I feel like Um, no I know that's kind of the largely the consensus but James felt differently that (laughs) and I think it had to do with video games because I guess you go on different quests and video games for different like reward things in the game oh but I was like but is your character motivated by something noble, even if you're not? I don't know. And I guess the, I guess like there can be a reward, but something other than monetary, right? That's not why you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, technically, they're doing this whole quest for a wish, right? That's a big reward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's okay to have a reward at the end. I just don't like the idea that you're doing it. Well, maybe it is okay to... I, I just feel like if you're being paid for it, it's almost like you're doing the quest for someone else. Yeah, I agree. Which I dislike. I do. I, I still think there has to be some kind of noble purpose to it. Even if you mm. get adequately rewarded, it's like something you feel compelled to do or find or discover or... Yeah. I don't know. Or at least for a successful quest, right? I sort of feel like if you're too selfish, your quest will fail. <laughs> and like the fairy tales, that's what would happen. Kind of like Welk. Yeah. His quests failed. Exactly. Oh, should we talk about what happens to Welk at the end of this? Okay. Um, this whole showdown with the uh, pentagram, and then Adam jumps into the pentagram, and then Welk shoots him. Well, Wait. first he, kid- he kidnaps Gainsey. Maybe we should start there. No, and also, Adam didn't just jump into the pentagram. He sacrificed his, like, independence and offered his hands and his eyes. Yeah, which is big for him because he's always like he wants things to be on his terms like the whole thing when his dad hit him he was really upset because was it Ronan or no yeah Ronan was the one who jumped in and like pulled his dad off him but then Gainsey was the one who was like you have to move in with me and he finally gives in and he's just like now you have us all under your roof like you've collected all your things yeah right it's kind of like he, he wanted to leave his house. He wanted to escape his dad, but he wanted to do it on his terms. And he was upset that he didn't get to. And so that sacrifice 
like that is a big sacrifice for him it is and that's why i'm scared because now what is he like possessed by this forest spirit or something i don't know I'm like very curious to see what happens in the next few books now that he's done that because I feel like he's not his own man now and I'm curious a how that'll affect his relationships with Blue and Gainsey and Ronan etc and b just what potential bad things that means all around. I totally agree. But yeah, okay, so he he was the one who made the sacrifice to wake the ley line. Then he got yeah. shot at or no, then sorry, you finished talking because I was honestly kind of confused through that whole scene. So Welk shoots Adam, but then Adam's not harmed. And then... And he says, like, the forest wants you to give me back the gun, right? <laughs> yeah. And then these horned animals come out of nowhere and they trample Welk to death. Yeah. Were they, like, unicorns? <laughs> Is that what you were picturing? I was picturing um, big sheep. <laughs> okay. Horn- what, are she- <laughs> what are sheep? Like, rams. Rams. For some reason, I was picturing, like, faceless unicorns. Like, not beautiful, majestic white horses, but, like, these faceless, kind of creepy things that otherwise you would describe as unicorns. That would be amazing to see. Well, and everyone... that's what it was. Everyone else... Well, Adam was safe because he was still in... Wait, no, I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> I just remember these animal, these horned animals came out of nowhere and trampled him, and Adam was like, well, I didn't kill him. I just didn't do anything to save him. Well, Adam didn't get trampled because he was in the pentagram, and everyone else right. ran into the hollow tree, right? Something like that. Which also, I was like, wait, the hollow tree is right there? This I thought they couldn't find it again. <laughs> it yeah. was just, um, it was a quick ending that it was unexpected for me. And I'm not sure, I mean, I get... I don't know how much I do blame Adam. Like, Oh, I don't blame him at all. His friends all seem, or well, at least Gainsey and Adam sort of seem like they feel guilty that Wilk died and Adam didn't do anything. But I'm like, what the hell are you supposed to do when a bunch of faceless unicorns come charging through the forest and you have no time to react and someone just tried to kill you and your friends? Yeah. You run. It's every man for himself. <laughs> and plus, he's, he, Wilk killed Noah, tried to kill Neve, tried to kill Adam, and tried to kill Gainsey. Like, yeah. You 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 got nothing to feel guilty about. Yeah, I'm with Adam. He didn't kill him. He just didn't save him. And honestly, I don't even know if he could have if he wanted to. So I don't think exactly. he should feel bad about it. Me either. Poor Adam. He's been through enough. He doesn't need to feel guilty about anything. Yeah. I'm just curious to know like what is gonna happen now, <laughs> because well now the ley line is awake, so even more <laughs> crazy stuff is gonna go on. And also, did you understand? The last line of the book? Um, no. I, that was where I, I was just like, this is crazy. He said... I didn't... Ronan said, I yeah. took Chainsaw out of my dreams. And that's it. That's the end of the ch- end of the book. And and that was sort of... He was like, hey guys, I feel like I should tell you. Part of me is like, okay, this makes sense because Gainsey was saved by the forest. Noah died. At, like, Ronan kind of was becoming the boring regular person at this point. So it made sense that mm-hmm. he has some so what does he like he can bring things back from his dreams or just this one thing but something gifted to him in a dream did he meet someone in a dream i don't know it's a great question and i at first didn't know if he meant it literally i was looking up like is that a phrase like to take someone out of your dreams no he i think he literally means like i definitely read it like he literally he yeah. dreamt of chainsaw and then brought him back then, with him yes Mm-hmm. That's how I interpreted I it too. But I also was just, just like, of course. And knowing that there's a second book, I think I'd be more frustrated if there wasn't a second book. But I was just like... This makes no sense. After everything that had happened, I was kind of like, just, okay, fine. 
So now Ronan can dream things and, and collect them. Or someone's passed them stuff in his dreams. We don't really know the rules or the logic or what no. happened, if he's done it before, if there's other things, if this, I don't know. But we know Chainsaw came from his dream. Mm-hmm. And now Adam feels guilty and doesn't want to be owned by Gainsey and that how that will affect their relationship. Well, even more than that, he sacrificed himself against Gainsey and everyone else's wishes. Yeah. Or sacrifices independence, I guess, but... And he's the one who went to wake the ley line. Remember, he snuck out to do that. Yep. Noah is back from the dead. <laughs> he's still dead, <laughs> but he has a body again. But less so, <laughs> yeah. And he's smudgy. <laughs> oh, poor kid. And Gainsey is... Still on his quest? Still on his quest. I mean, I think they still want to wake this king up. So they already woke the, the ley line. So, I mean, now it's like, what's next? Yeah, but it's also been a month. So what have they been doing for the last month? Did they take a much-needed break, or have they been doing stuff? Well, probably. Maybe they needed to, like, recover from Noah. And I bet – here's what I think happens. I bet they go and they look for Blue's dad next. Or I think Blue's dad shows up somehow. Well, we don't have a bad guy anymore. That's true. Because even Neve, who wasn't necessarily a bad guy but wasn't really trusted, is gone. So I kind of think either one of them ends up in this other dimension somehow – or maybe Ronan finds them in his dreams, or... Oh! I just glanced over at the second book, and it's called The Dream Thieves. Oh, yeah. And it has a... Um, <laughs> I almost said it has a naked boy on the cover. <laughs> it doesn't. It has a bald boy on the... <laughs> Slightly different things. Did you hear the excitement in my voice when I said that? There's um, a naked boy! <laughs> yeah. Uh... There's a bald a bald kid on the front of it. His hair's like shaved off, which is Ronan, right? We know he has a shaved head. Yeah, I guess I knew that was the name of the book, but it didn't mean anything to me until that last line, so I never really thought about it. Oh my god, I'm the worst. I wonder if that's related somehow to what he knows about his dad. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. That he can steal dreams or or yeah. ta- or so I don't well, I don't know, that he has some magic dream power. I wonder if it is related to his dad. I don't know. That's a good question. Like those are still those are some questions I still have. How did what happened to his dad and what does Ronan know? What happened to Blue's dad and when will we see him again? Where is Neve? Do we ever complete our quest? How do the rules work for Dream? We also saw Gainsey's dad, who, to be honest, I thought Gainsey's dad was dead too. <laughs> until we meet him in the garage and he starts talking. Um <laughs> And he was pretty cool. I liked that he, like, collects cars, but doesn't really care that his son drives this, like, beat-up old piece of crap. Well, it's kind of interesting. His family seems relatively normal. Like, rich, but, like, they just sort of accept that he, like, has this quest fascination, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone else really buys into it, but they kind of all support him, and they're all pretty close, and he seems like he's healthy. I was surprised they all knew about it. Yeah. But they do, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were asking, his dad was asking about it. Yeah. And his sister was helping him look for stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also love that his dad keeps a journal of things that have happened on April 14th since history began. Oh, yeah, that is funny. <laughs> that was so, his, so you can see, like, his parents are quirky, too, which, like, totally makes sense for why Gainsey is the way he is. That would have been, like, a much better thing for me to research, just April 14th events. Oh, I thought about doing that. Why did I do this creepy mirror stuff? But it is weird how they have a strange relationship because Gainsey was like, 
a car is a wrapper for its contents and he was like if i looked like the inside of one of my dad's cars i couldn't live with myself so he definitely like there's some discord even though they seem to have a, a an okay family life there's still like some tension there yeah it's sort of like why does he hate where he comes from or like that yeah he- so much if he doesn't I feel like that would come more from like some kind of family discord or or yeah to your point I don't know I don't know none of these people make any sense I don't get it <laughs> and I doubt it'll clear up in the next couple chapters <laughs> I think it'll get murkier before it gets clearer I think some but I did like we did it was kind of a good first book I feel like we got enough conclusion and enough not conclusion I agree like knowing it's a series but it wasn't like so just like quit in the middle like we sort of resolved the most pressing urgent problem mm-hmm. and made progress on our quest and got some answers about Blue's dad and yeah yeah I agree I thought it was a great first book what did you research do you hear what I researched <laughs> I don't know I'm scared go I <laughs> was at work and I turned my Wi-Fi off and I literally typed into Google spells to reawaken the dead. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I researched spells to waken the dead (laughs) and I found kind of a lot. So it's not scary. Okay. It really isn't. So, but I have a question. If you're, Mm -hmm. do you awaken a particular dead person or just awaken the dead and whoever's nearby or how like what are the specific a a particular dead person okay well first the thing that came up first was methods that people use throughout history to try and revive the dead like before cpr Uh uh-huh and some of these were actually really interesting okay so like i guess in the 1700s if someone drowned like before they knew cpr the method they would do to try and wake someone up would be they would tie the person face down over the back of a horse and then make the horse trot around. Huh. Or they would try and dunk them in freezing water. Or um, they would open the person's mouth and tickle the back of their throat with a feather. And then the last method was (laughs) they would take a pair of bellows and they would blow tobacco smoke up a person's bum. I'm just... This is... You know when we were talking about like treatments for different diseases from the olden days? I'm always just curious like who's like, you know, I have an idea that might work and like comes up with this stuff. But here's the thing. I kept reading and I actually was kind of shocked because there was some methods to these these mad, mad methods of trying to revive someone. So if you think about it, if you tie a person face down over a horse and then the horse is trotting up and down it could cause the diaphragm of a person's chest to move up up and down, which is not unlike CPR. No, that's fair. But I just, I'm curious who was like... Yeah, who thought to even try that? Someone's drowning, like, let me try... Like, I, it almost makes more sense if you understand how CPR works than if right. you don't understand. <laughs> and then I guess, um, so tobacco smoke contains nicotine, which prompts the brain to release epinephrine, which increases the rate and strength of a heart of your heartbeat. Hmm. So it's kind of like they kind of weren't far off. So there's some murky science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm guessing that at a minimum, it worked one time and then people mm-hmm. tried doing it. Absolutely. Um, so then I started researching stories of people who raised others from the dead. Like Jesus? No, more like necromancy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, like, I guess 
In ancient Roman Greece, it was like a very popular thing for people to invoke dead gods or like they would, if they had a, a question or something that they wanted to understand, they would purposely try and wake up dead people and try and get wisdom from them. Okay. And they believed that like people who had died before their time, like children or soldiers, were more likely to offer help. And so, for example... In um, the Odyssey, Odysseus, he travels to the underworld and he wants to learn about his voyage home. And so he raises the spirits of the dead through certain spells to get information from them. Okay. And then there's another example. Oh, in uh, Metamorphoses, um, there's like a story about how there was an Egyptian prophet who rose the corpse of a young man. And he wanted to do this because he, I guess suspected that the man died under you know mysterious circumstances and the guy came back to life and told his relatives that his young bride had poisoned him okay so all of this raising from the dead required um elaborate rites and rituals to be carried out like while you were in the process of trying to raise the dead and Mm -hmm. some of them are pretty interesting so like some of them involved eating black bread and fermented grapes that symbolized de- uh, decay. Okay. And uh, sacrifice was usually a part of it, but it could, sometimes it would involve the flesh of a human or animal, but it could also be as simple as like offering up an object. Okay. And so, and again, you picked out whoever you were trying to raise beforehand or you mm-hmm. had their corpse there or something? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the rituals um, could be carried out for days or sometimes even weeks leading up to the summoning of the spirit. How long did they stay awake for? (laughs) That's a very good question. And some of them were very reluctant to rise. (laughs) Like some of them don't enjoy being woken up. I mean, I don't enjoy being woken up on a Sunday morning by the dog. So, you know, Mm -mm. (laughs) I can understand. So like, yeah, I guess in ancient Greece and Rome, there were a ton of spells that that people found on like lead tablets near graves. And they were spells. Like one was like a spell for um, attraction. And they had, a lot of them involved like raising a, a dead person and like using that power to strengthen your spell. Okay. So then I just started researching spells. <laughs> and I found actually this really cool thing. So <laughs> I found a book called The Sorcerer's Screed. Okay. And this was an Icelandic book of sorcery that was written by this man, Joachim Magnus Egertsen. He was born in 1896. And when you say you found this, do you mean online or did you find? Okay, I'm just checking. This man called himself the Shadow and he spent 30 years researching Nordic spells and he published a book of white magic called The Sorcerer's Screed in 1940. So how many have you tried? I haven't tried any of them actually because they're very complicated and they consist of staves so there's these uh symbols that you have to draw out that are really complicated and i would be too scared to try it because like what if you don't copy it exactly then what someone's gonna lose their skin or something oh my goodness yeah i kind of have a don't mess with magic policy i think but you want to hear some of them okay yes i do (laughs) okay so here's a spell for for reawakening the dead um it's a the stave it's like a there's runes and then there's a stave which is a picture and it's a circle with like a square in the middle and there's like lots of cross hatching it's very elaborate so they say 
the stave is to be carved in oak and the groove colored with blood. The blood is to be from the big toe of the right foot and the thumb of the left hand. And then place the stave on the grave and walk three times clockwise and three times counterclockwise around the church. Watch carefully to be sure that dirt spouts from the grave three times. And at the third spout, it's imperative that you be prepared to receive the ghost because it will then pop its head up. Immediately <laughs> grab it by the throat and squeeze tightly and hold it fast until it asks you to let go. Then apply the necessary and appropriate methods and tell the ghost what it is to do. If the ghost is to be animated greatly and sent a long distance, more robust methods will be necessary and more than one sorcerer. Wow. Why the right toe and the left? What was it? Uh, how should I know? <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure if there was more to it. <laughs> it's just so weird. I expect you to be an expert now. <laughs> well, did I tell you I bought a pack of tarot cards? You did tell me that. <laughs> They're actually super fun. I'm going to teach myself how to read them. Okay, so can you just read my fortune instead of me going somewhere? <laughs> no. It'll, it might take me a few years. Can you can I can you read my fortune while after and we can compare it to what a true psychic says? You know I would only tell you good things. <laughs> That's why Ooh, I, you, I'm good with you doing it. Go ahead. Do you want to learn a spell that will let you ride a broomstick? Yes. Okay. So As long as I don't have to bleed my right toe. Oh, actually, this is worse. Ooh. Okay. Well, tell me anyways, I guess. Okay. So the stave, well, it's another complicated stave. And then it says, He who wishes to ride through the air like a witch shall inscribe this stave on a bleached horse's skull with two types of blood, from the man himself as well as from a horse, combining it in thirds, two parts being the horse's blood, from beneath the hoof of the right foreleg, and the third from the third part from beneath the big toe of the man's left foot. They're very specific about where this blood is taken. They are. Um, the stave is to be drawn with a chicken feather, and he who has a witch, a, a witch ride bridle will then be able to ride through air and water wherever he feels like going. A witch ride bridle is created by digging up a newly buried man and cutting a strip of skin from the length of his spine. Ooh. This will be used for reins. Ooh. Next, we're not even done yet. Oh my goodness. The dead man must be scalped, and the scalp will be used for a bridle. The dead man's lingual bone is to be used for the bit, and his hip bones for the cheek pieces. A spell also needs to be recited over it, and then the bridle is finished. All that needs to be done is to place the witch ride bridle over a horse's head. It will then fly into the air with whomever is riding it, and fly faster than lightning wherever its rider wishes, creating a great whistling sound. Okay. This guy was nuts. So just based on how I cook and sometimes skip directions, <laughs> I'm just imagining doing like 85% of that and being like, damn it, I mix 50% and 50% instead of two-thirds horse blood and one-third and like none of that mattering. Like, can I you took it from the wrong toe. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, this one said left foot? I thought it was always the right foot. Yeah, I just... There's multiple reasons why I shouldn't mess with magic. It kind of reminded me of Harry Potter a little bit, how like... They're in potions class and they have to like <laughs> stir three times counterclockwise and then crush the, I don't know, bezoar or whatever. Yep. I just think it's nuts that this guy wrote a whole book on white sorcery. I wonder how much, like, if he had to try everything out. That's a good question. <laughs> like, was this based in theory or practice? Yeah. I really hope it was based in theory. <laughs> oh, so that was my weird research. That is weird. I need, we need to like have a happy topic. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> I'm going to have the weirdest dreams tonight. I already have really weird dreams and they always get worse after we've podcast recorded. I agree. Oh my God. A hundred percent. That happens to me too. I have the weirdest dreams after we talk. It's always funny though. Cause I'm like, this is really weird. And then I like say it out loud and I'm like, oh, that's literally what we talked about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we were already talking about dreams and thieves. Maybe you'll dream about Chainsaw. Chainsaw? I think I like Chainsaw. I do too. I hope he stays a good little raven. <laughs> I hope we get a new bad guy. Oh, I'm sure we will. Because I like when Neve was like, what did she say? She said something cool. She was like, oh, you're looking for a god. Didn't mm-hmm. you suspect there was also a devil? Bands of devils. Mm-hmm. Oh, so who's going to be the new devil? Well, I'm not even convinced that Welk was a devil. He was definitely a bad guy, but he w- he was a human being. Okay, that's my other question, though. So, seven years ago, he killed his best friend. What did happen? Well, that's, yeah, that's a good question. Like, what, like, what came from that sacrifice? And then also, if Noah was just still a little half-spirit person wandering around, did they ever interact again? Or, like, what did, what did Noah do for the six years before he found Gacy? For seven years, yeah. That's such a good question. I don't know. I wonder if we'll get more answers. You feel like he'd want revenge, right? Kind of. I'm guessing, I mean, Welk's the one who bashed his head in, right? Yeah. I would want revenge, man. If I was a ghost and my killer still live, you can bet I wouldn't be just hanging around turning the lights on and off. I'd go after him. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he couldn't. I don't know. Yeah, or even just like tell his friends like, oh, by the way, your Latin teacher is my murderer. Yeah, like plant some kind of... At the very least, like, beware of him. If not, also, can you... Unless he didn't remember. Yeah. Which was our our other theory. He just didn't remember it. (laughs) Are we okay to keep reading? (laughs) I mean, I guess. What was our favorite scene from this book? Um, I mean, I think it would have to be something in the forest. I think it was kind of cool to, like, see different forest things. Like, when they walked in at night and it was actually, like, lit, like, afternoon. Or when they walked through the different seasons. Mm -hmm. I think something like that would be cool. I agree. Maybe the fish scene when they're in the tree yeah. and stuff, but like their first time there. Or maybe flying and seeing the raven down below. Oh, that was cool with the oyster shells. Or when the unicorns charge. I think that would be my scene that I'd want to see. I, I just want to see what, like, what the horned beasts really look like Yeah. in the author's mind. I don't want to see them because I already am going to have nightmares about them. But faceless unicorns, that's so pretty. Just like prancing. No, I'm not thinking majestic, beautiful creatures. I'm thinking really creepy creatures that ruin unicorns for young children everywhere <laughs> uh, yeah so what shall we read what shall we read next we're going to read the second book in the series it's called the dream thieves it has a kid with a bald head on the front of it. <laughs> not a naked kid and we'll read uh, up to chapter 28 which is about halfway yeah. is it your turn to read the back of the book i think it is okay if you could steal things from dreams what would you take Ronan Lynch has secrets. Some he keeps from others, some he keeps from himself. One secret, Ronan can bring things out of his dreams. And sometimes he's not the only one who wants those things. Okay, so has he always been able to do this? I already have so many questions. Okay. (laughs) Ronan is one of the Raven Boys, a group of friends, practically brothers, searching for a dead king named Glendor. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Who they think is hidden somewhere in the hills of their elite private school, Aglioni Academy. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> the path to Glendor has long lived as an undercurrent beneath town, but now, like Ronan's secrets, it is beginning to rise to the surface, changing everything in its wake. 
Ooh. Okay, so Ronan has a lot more secrets, and I'm curious if he's always known he could take things from his dreams, if he, like, how much control he has, where it came from. If, yeah, I have a lot of questions. Do we think that... So this book seems to be a lot about Ronan. I wonder if the next book will be about... Adam or Noah. Mm-hmm. One of the other boys. Yeah. Well, I'm, 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 let me see. There's no The next account. one is called Blue Lily, Lily Blue. So maybe that's about Blue. <laughs> and then the last one is called The Raven King. And maybe it's not even all about... So who knows? Maybe it's not all about Ronan. Maybe it's just he's the interesting part at the beginning because it links from this last book. But I like Ronan. Didn't I tell you Ronan was one of my favorites? Yeah, well, we talked about how he was very prickly last week. Yeah. Yes, but I think you did mention he was your favorite. I think Gainsey's still my favorite. They're an interesting group. I'm curious to see how things play out in the daytime when I'll be ready to read. <laughs> <laughs> I am jealous of their friendship and how like everyone's on board to go to do this quest. I feel like that's a rare thing. Okay, well... At first I was, and their, like, closeness and their, like, brotherliness and all this stuff. And then I was like, you didn't realize your friend was dead, and now I'm not sure how I feel about their friendship. Mm, Good point. (laughs) And even, like, the stuff with Adam now, they, like, their friendship is weird. Yeah. I mean, it's not perfect, that's for sure. Yeah. It's complicated. They hate each other sometimes. They get in fights. And and it's, like, weirdly one-sided, sort of. Or, like... Again, I think we said this last time, everyone's, like, related to Gainsey, but Mm -hmm. I don't really, like, I actually, Ronan and Adam, like, kind of had a moment, finally, together. Yeah, when he, with his dad. Yeah, when Ronan defended him against his dad and stuff, but. I'm so glad he finally pressed charges, too. Yeah, me too. (sighs) But, yeah, and he can't hear out of one ear. That's crazy. Ugh. I wonder if that will be permanent. They said, the doctor said it would, but we'll see. It's awful. Maybe that's what he'll wish for now. I don't know. Ugh. You shouldn't even have to waste a wish on that. No, I know. Yeah, I'm curious to know what they all wish for. And if they all get a wish or... Or yeah. if they even do get a wish. Like, if they even wake the kid. Have you end. heard that joke? I think it's actually <laughs> a blonde joke. This isn't my joke for the week, but... Okay. It's a joke about, like, there's, like, a redhead, a brunette, and a blonde, and they're trapped on a deserted island, and they find a genie or something, and they each get a wish, and, like, the redhead wishes to like be home with her family the brunette wishes to be like some you know like paris or something and the blonde wishes for her friends back (laughs) yeah (laughs) or something like that i wish all my friends were here (laughs) yeah i wish my friends hadn't left me and like takes back their wishes i could see something like that happening with all these this crew (laughs) well what is your real joke for the week then okay what rhymes with orange (laughs) nothing no, it doesn't. What doesn't what? rhyme with orange? <laughs> it's like a dad joke. <laughs> I don't Wait, know. what did I say? I think I was supposed to say something before you answered, maybe. So Try it again. it's like, what rhymes with Start orange? Over. And then the dad joke response is, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have to explain a joke, I think I did it wrong. <laughs> At least I told the other joke, too. It's all good. <laughs> totally took me forever to get that but it took me a while too when I was reading it and then I couldn't figure out how I was supposed to say it I should have thought it I should have practiced on James or something (laughs) well that's it's funny because but if someone responds you can't do it I know that's what I didn't realize until you responded that it like didn't work anymore (laughs) (laughs) but I would have if I had practiced before (laughs) well that's I'm not a dad yet so I don't understand the importance time. of the dad timing. 
Oh my god, can you imagine once we're dads how great we'll be at telling these jokes? <laughs> so good. We'll have so much practice. I feel like it's just an automatic superpower that you get once you have a kid and you become a dad. I think so. One day we'll get there. Hopefully we're still podcasting. It's in the, it's in the dad handbook they give you, right? Is I mean... Parenting yeah. handbook? How you how suddenly to, know how, how to do things like hold a baby and... And grow a dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> All the important stuff. I'm already um. working on that now. <laughs> Anything else? No, um, but if anyone wants to get in touch with us, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to after this. If you look, at, if you look at your reflection for a minute <laughs> and see anything weird, let us know what it was this week. If you find any ley lines, if you go on a quest, if you try any of these spells, if you can don't help us with dad point jokes, fingers at us. <laughs> Please don't blame us. Make sure you pull from the right toe. Get the blood from the right we toe. We had nothing to do with it. We absolve ourselves of any culpability <laughs> if you try to do any Don't of these Don't try spells. this at home. <laughs> but anyways, if you want to do any of these things, okay, how, how do you contact us? Well, I'll tell you. You can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com or you can you can go to Facebook, you can go to Instagram, and we're at mnktalkya on both those sites. Or you can get a flying broom. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and fly to Chicago or Phoenix. Follow the ley line to the vortex of Sedona and we'll meet you there. That sounds like a plan. All right. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelphy, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.